All right, we got a great interview for you guys today. It's Tom Malinowski, he's trying to take out a bad guy in my home state of New Jersey, which I enjoy. Um, I'm gonna tell you all about him. Uh, Tom is uh, former Assistant Secretary of State for Democracy, Human Rights and Labor uh, under the Obama administration. And he was the Washington Director for the Human Rights Watch. And we'll talk all, all about that and the race that he's running uh, right now. Tom, welcome to the Young Turks. Thank you so much. All right, great to have you. So. Uh, Tom, you're running the seventh district against Leonard Vance. Uh, he's a Republican that holds a seat, congressional seat in New Jersey, uh, which I take it as a personal affront uh, since I'm from Jersey. Uh, that's now, uh, ironically, I grew up as a liberal Republican in New Jersey, but no such thing exists anymore. And that's actually part of the reason why I get frustrated when Republicans win in New Jersey, uh, which is that people are stuck from 30, 40 years ago when. There was such a thing as a moderate Republican. So in the case of Leonard Vance, um, he, you say he's been, he's been in office since 2008. Um, is he, does he think he's a moderate Republican? Does he vote with Trump only half the time? What's his record? So he thinks he is, and, and to be fair, he used to be. He comes from that old tradition of Northeastern reasonable moderate Republicans. But since he's been in Congress, he has bought the company line, he has voted with Trump and the Republican leadership 95% of the time. And I'd say the other 5% of the time he's been kind of useless. He has occasionally uttered a moderate uh, position on, on a issue like, for example, the tax bill. But the Republican leadership rolls right over him. So you know, even on the rare occasions when he tries to be something other than a down the line partisan right wing Republican, it doesn't really make a difference for the people of New Jersey. You know, I remember during the Bush years, guys like Chuck Hagel would talk a good game and then vote with Bush 95% of the time. And you know, Hagel went on to do some decent things and work with Obama. But but overall, no, if you vote with Trump 95% of the time, you ain't no moderate, okay? Yeah. Not not remotely close. That's insane to to give him that. Mantle, which I feel like the press too often calls things 50-50. It's not 50-50, if you're 95% pro-Trump, you're a real right-wing radical in my book. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I don't expect, I've got a lot of Republican friends as I'm sure you do still. And I don't expect a Republican to agree with me all the time or to become a liberal Democrat. But when core values and institutions in our country are under attack, values and institutions that Reagan Republicans are supposed to defend. And somebody doesn't stand up and defend them. Somebody doesn't throw their body in front of that train. They're not the kinds of patriots that we need representing us. And there are still Republicans, you know, John McCain will occasionally throw his body in front of the train as he did on the Affordable Care Act or he does on torture. But the guy I'm running against, he's never had that John McCain moment, that Susan Collins moment where he casts a consequential vote to stop the Republican majority from doing something that will harm the people of this country. And for that reason, he's gotta go, and so, others like to do too. Yeah, I think that 5% of the time is, doesn't qualify as throwing yourself in front of a train, no. Um, so uh, let, let's talk about your background a little bit, and then I wanna talk specifically about your race, because you are in a Democratic primary, and there, there's other Democrats in that race as well. So when you were at Human Rights Watch, you, you just mentioned torture and John McCain there. You advocated to the end of torture techniques and, and black sites. Um, does that mean that you're soft on terrorism? <laughs> you know, I, 
I, I was kind of in a minority then because, you know, after 9-11, uh, we were all, the whole country rallied behind President Bush and whatever it takes to beat the terrorists, people were, were for. And a few of us raised our, our hands and said, no, this is, torture is going to play right into the hands of the enemy. It's not who we are as Americans. It squanders our main advantage in the world, which is our moral authority. And it, it's a recruitment tool for the terrorists. As it turned out, it was in Iraq. It was one of the major driving forces of the insurgency that ended up killing a lot of our servicemen and women in that country. And I think we all learned a very powerful lesson. I think it was incredibly heartening that the effort to ban torture in our Congress was led by uh, not just Democrats, but by Republicans like John McCain, who stood up to President Bush, working with human rights activists like me, and we we succeeded. And I think now that's the consensus in this country. When Donald Trump tried to bring it back, it was his Defense Department and the military that told him, no, you can't do that. And since he's basically a coward, in that case, I'm glad he was a coward. He, he backed down and, and we didn't bring back waterboarding. And it's now the mainstream view. Yeah, uh, you also fought uh, for democratic form, reform in Myanmar. Um, unfortunately, that country's taken a turn for the worse uh, in a, at least what I would consider completely unexpected way. Uh, what's your take on what's happening in Myanmar now? Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting because it's, it's related to what's happening in America and in so many other parts of the world. Burma or Myanmar experienced amazing progress towards democracy and human rights, good government. But there was a very powerful force in that country, the military, that didn't like to lose control. They were losing the narrative, they were losing the argument. And so like a lot of political losers in the world, they introduced an argument that they thought would be a winner for them. The argument of racial division and religious division. So instead of people in Burma arguing about whether they wanted to live in a democracy or a dictatorship, they start arguing about whether we're gonna defend our pure Buddhist race against these horrible Muslims that are threatening our, our women and children. And that's a really familiar phenomenon, right? It's exactly what the far right is doing in this country and has done historically. It's exactly what the far right is doing in Europe, uh, fomenting fear of immigration. You know, I didn't think that we would, that our politics in, in, in the advanced United States would be changed by that kind of tactic in the 21st century. But here we are experiencing our own version of what's happening in Burma and in so many other far more troubled parts of the world. And God forbid that we should experience the kind of violence and, and degradation of democratic institutions that, that they do because of that, that, that kind of force. Yeah, and it's not just Donald Trump. So now uh, Republican leadership has backed away from Roy Moore um, based on the allegations of him being a child molester. But before those allegations, he said that Muslims uh, don't belong in Congress. I mean, that just fundamentally misunderstands the United States Constitution. And the Republican leadership was totally fine with that. They all endorsed him. Yeah. He also defied the law. He was removed from a judgeship because he refused to obey the law. And you know, for a conservative, a true conservative in this country, the, the rule of law has got to be the number one value because it is the rule of law that protects you against the power of the government to interfere in your life. And if public officials don't obey the law, what have we got left? 
yeah. in terms of democracy in this country. And so that should have been a wake up call. Uh, but then again, you know, we got a president who pardoned a sheriff in in uh, uh, in the Southwest uh, who also defied a court order, and he fired an FBI director for trying to uphold the law. So so this is. This is a deeper disease than than just Judge Roy Moore right now in, in the politics of the, the far right in the United States. And 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 I think we as Democrats, we, we now have the mantle of defending the law, of being the law and order party in America. Yeah, you know, speaking of Moore, just one last thing about your record, because Moore, one of his claims to fame is that he thinks gay Americans should not have the same rights as straight Americans. And somehow that he thinks that makes him patriotic. Which again, I think he kind of fundamentally misunderstands the point of the country. Um, and you oversaw the appointment of the first special envoy for LGBT rights. What year was right. that? And and it's kind of amazing. Like, was it still hard in that year? It was can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it, it wasn't hard in, in in the culture of the Obama administration, and and, and you know the many changes that happened in America on. Uh, on the issue of the human rights of LGBT people, and um, I think we we felt that the 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 wind was at our back um, in terms of the changes that were happening in this country, and and so we we started an effort. Actually, this began when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State uh, to try to promote those basic human rights around the world. And you know, we weren't trying to we weren't talking about uh, marriage equality in Africa. We were we were just talking about the right of everybody, whether they were gay or straight, not to get beaten up, not to be fired from their job or kicked out of their housing, just basic, basic human rights. Uh, and we were quite successful in, in, in that we, my office funded a lot of organizations in a lot of parts of the world that successfully brought legal challenges against laws that banned homosexuality. And that really made a difference in a lot of people's lives. And, um, you know, here we are now uh, playing defense in the United States. Not, not I think the American people's attitudes about this haven't changed. I think they continue to advance. But you know, we've got a little bit of a problem in, in our president and some of our members of Congress uh, who are reacting against the, the positive march of history on this issue. Yep, so now let's talk about your race. Um, so there's five other Democrats uh, in, in the primary. So, um, you guys probably agree on a lot of the issues. So, how do you distinguish yourself, Tom? What are you campaigning on? Well, I'm I'm trying to run a positive campaign about what I can contribute, and any any Democrat running in this primary would do a better job and vote better than than Leonard Lance or any Republican from New Jersey in this seat. So, we're not arguing with each other. Uh, what, what I think I have to offer is a lifetime of public service. I'm, I'm the only career public servant uh, in this race in the Democratic uh, primary. And I've not only served, but I think I've got a good story to tell about things that I've achieved, whether it was the fight to ban torture uh, 10 years ago or the work I did on behalf of our country uh, in the State Department in advancing human rights and women's rights and LGBT rights around the world. Uh, work I've done on national security and conflict resolution, uh, whether under the Obama or the Clinton administrations. And, and I think, you know, we've got a member of Congress who's kind of all over the place on the issues, who seems to be running scared, um, not particularly principled. And, and I think I've got a record of 
of standing up for what I think is right, whether it's popular or not. And I think that's something that folks in this district uh, and around the country will, I hope, find appealing. Okay, uh, but let's go to the issues because there are some differences among Democrats on some of the issues. Uh, sure. And so, um, what's your thoughts on Medicare for all? I think, first of all, I'm a lifelong human rights activist, and I think healthcare is a human right. Full stop. And that's got to be the starting point of our discussion. I think we need universal access and we need affordable health care in this country. I think Obamacare got us part of the way there, and we need to fight to protect the gains that we made. And realistically, if Democrats win the House of Representatives, uh, we're still going to have a fight on our hands to protect the gains we have made and make sure uh, that we pay the subsidies, that we keep the system going so that people don't lose their health care. Number two, I think if we've got the majority, we're going to at least have an opportunity to try to get us get ourselves closer to that goal. Uh, and, and at the very least, I think we need to move towards a public option so that people have more choices, so there's more competition. That will drive costs down. It's a market solution to this problem that responsible Republicans ought to accept. Beyond that, I am overjoyed that Democrats are putting visionary ideas on the table. I think this is a time for all of us to step back and to think about whether there are more transformative ways to deal with uh, the, the healthcare crises that, that we face as a country. But I also think that Democrats now, we have the mantle of being the responsible party in America. We're the party that does math. We're, we're the party that tries to pay for the things that we want to do for the country. And so I want to make sure before we embrace one of those ideas, that we know that it can be done. We know that it's a promise that we can keep to the American people because we don't want to make the mistake that the Republicans made of promising, in their case, repeal and replace, and then having no idea how to do it. We're trying to do something much better than they are, but we still have to know that we can do it before we make the promise. So I do want to be a little bit careful there. Okay, how about college for all, meaning free tuition at public colleges? I'm absolutely for free community college for everybody who wants it and needs it in America. I'm a little wary of free college for all as somebody who went to public schools, including a state university myself. I'm not sure if it's the best use of the limited funds we have in this era of constrained budgets to be subsidizing the educations of people with wealthy parents who can afford to send them to school. Um, I don't know how we pay for that, as, as wonderful as the idea of free college for all is. And I wanna make sure that we first and foremost can pay for scholarships and grants that will enable everybody who is needy in this country to get a full four year college education. Okay, uh, how about defense spending? So you worked a lot on uh, diplomacy and foreign policy issues. Uh, they added approximately $70 billion to the defense budget. Um, what would you do there? Would you take the, the roll back to 70 billion if you could? I, I don't see how we can continue to uh, fund increases to the defense budget when we're cutting back everywhere else and at the same time blowing a hole in the deficit to try to cut taxes for the wealthiest Americans. That, that equation does not make any sense to me. Uh, if we are fiscally responsible, if we are doing what we need to do 
to meet the needs of the American people at home than I am for a strong defense budget because as a diplomat, I relied on the fact that the United States could defend itself against any threat for our diplomacy to be successful around the world. I mean, I think there is something to be said for the fact that that you need a strong defense if you wanna not use that strong defense because you want it to be a deterrent to the very real adversaries that are that are now emboldened, unfortunately, by by some of what Trump is doing, Russia and uh, and and China. So, in principle, I'm for strong defense, and that's going to be expensive. Um, in practice, I'm offended by a Congress that only seems to be increasing the defense budget uh, while uh, while trying to save money off of education and healthcare uh, and tax benefits that middle class and working class Americans enjoy. So let's talk about those tax cuts because right now Trump is trying to get, um, it looks like about $6 trillion in tax cuts roughly. Um, and five trillion is, no, six and a half roughly. Five trillion is paid by cuts uh, elsewhere and one and a half trillion uh, just adds to the deficit. What's your take on that? Well, it's a double whammy. I mean, we, you know, middle class people in this country will lose because the cuts uh, will 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 make it much harder to fund things that, that we need, whether it's roads and bridges in New Jersey or Medicaid funding or health care or education or protection of the environment. All of the things that taxpayers in my district expect their government to do will be harder to do as a result of those cuts. And then our children and grandchildren are gonna pay on top of that because of the hole in the deficit, because of the addition to the national debt. And what are we getting for that? Absolutely nothing apart from a tax break for the wealthiest Americans, which most economists do not believe will translate into job creation and investment into the economy in districts like mine. So it's a terrible deal. And as you know, places like New Jersey and my district in particular get particularly hard by the elimination of the state and local income tax deduction. That's about a three or $4,000 hit on average per family in my congressional district. And again, to pay for something that will benefit almost nobody here or anywhere in the United States. It's, it's an extraordinary thing, but I guess this is the one thing that Republicans promise to their donors. And they feel that if they don't pass this, then they've done absolutely nothing. Well, why do you think that the voters in in some district in New Jersey have been voting for a Republican? What is it about Republicans that uh, is appealing to them? I'm genuinely curious. I think it comes down to the fact that this is a high tax state and Republicans have presented themselves to voters in, in, in districts like this as champions for lower taxes, for less government in, in, in their lives. In less government interference in business and regulation and, and, and so forth. And one of the interesting things that's happened in the last few months is that taxes, which is an issue that, that traditionally has played in favor of Republicans around here, is now going to play against them because everyone can see that, that on that one issue that they relied on Republicans to stand up for them on, they are now increasing the taxes of virtually every single person in, in my district. Um, so not only are they cutting Planned Parenthood, not only are uh, you know are they electing a president who praises Nazis and extremists and attacks freedom of the press and the judiciary and the rule of law in this country, 
our taxes are going up on top of that. And, and with that, I don't see any argument for people uh, in northern New Jersey to elect a Republican congressman. Yeah, I, it really is amazing. Right in front of our eyes, they're uh, raising taxes on the middle class to pay for gigantic tax cuts for the top 1%. It's amazing. They they just like I feel like during the Tom the, during the Bush years they used to do a better job pretending, and now they've just come. You know the guy behind the curtain. He just came out in front of the curtain and he's like, yeah, I'm the monster you expected, and I'll be now raising taxes on average Americans to pay for taxes for my friends. Yeah, <laughs> but it's their only agenda, and, and you know a lot of these Republicans in the House of Representatives. If you talk to them about Donald Trump and his crazy tweets and the daily dose of outrage that we get from the White House, they'll say, you know, we know, we get it, we don't like it either. But, but we've got to tolerate it because we got to get this tax cut through. It's the only thing they care about. It's an obsession. It's the solution to every problem in their strange way of looking at the world. And it's not even playing for them politically. Anymore, and 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 that is a little bit bizarre, as as you say. Yeah. But we're going to make them pay for it in 2018. That's what I'm determined to do. Yeah, and um, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that when people see their own taxes potentially going up, all that talk about trickle down at some point, it's like no, 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 there's no trickle down. You just took three thousand dollars out of my pocket and gave it to a billionaire. And then you're hoping that 30 bucks trickles back down on me? No, not interested, right? Yeah. So, well. and, and, and it's not mysterious. We know why. It's their donors. They absolutely demand it. Now, lately, Republicans have been admitting, yeah, our donors are going to kick our ass if we don't do it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's not like we haven't tried this before. We tried a version of it under Ronald Reagan, and it, that created the deficit. Then a Democratic president working with Republicans and Democrats in Congress. Um, eliminated the deficit. Bill Clinton did that. And then George Bush came in and did exactly the same thing. And once again, the deficit balloons. And now we've got this unbelievable national debt as a result. Somehow it never produces the miracle that they promise, you know, that, that if you somehow cut taxes on the wealthy, you'll get more tax revenues from the wealthy. It doesn't, doesn't happen. Um, and, and to make this mistake for a third time, it just defies common sense. Okay, all right, well, Tom Malinowski, I feel like I have a much better sense of, of where you stand and certainly your background. And I Godspeed to, I don't have a dog in that fight. So to you and all the other Democrats in the 7th Congressional District. In, Thank you, in, in unseating, on behalf of us all. <laughs> that's right, in unseating a guy voting with Trump 95% of the time. So do us proud. Thank you, Tom. Thank you so much.